0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez.
1: Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the show, the Outcomes Rocket, the show where you could listen in one time a week to the most inspiring and innovative healthcare leaders in the industry with really one outcome that we all share, the outcome of improving patient outcomes and improving the results that we have in our healthcare institutions. I have a really special guest today And I'm looking forward to having a discussion. His name is Arun Matthews. He's the chief medical officer associated with MultiCare, a five hospital system based out of Tacoma, Washington. His primary responsibility is of chief medical officer over Auburn and Covington slated to open in 2018. His main responsibilities are clinical leadership, strategy and governance, as well as managing the needs of his awesome medical staff. Aaron, I know that I've only touched the tip of the iceberg here on your introduction, but I wanna welcome you to the show and then maybe have you fill in any of the gaps that I may have missed.
0: Certainly, Saul, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on this show. I think it's really tremendous what you're doing with Outcomes Rocket. And um, I really think we need a cogent voice for uniting various initiatives around the country, looking at specifically the issue of outcomes and sharing knowledge. So once again, thank you so much. You know, I've actually just been in this role for uh, a few weeks now, and um, I have to say it is uh, challenging and exciting, but in many ways, a growth of uh, what I've tried to maintain as my platform within physician leadership, and that is a laser focus on the patient experience and patient safety combined together and recognizing that Truly, without safety, we cannot have the next step above that, which is quality. So those are the areas that I've been really trying to build a career around. And I will tell you this, I think as physicians, we we get a lot of training in the navigation through the healthcare system, specifically around the task of seeking out the best evidence for our patients and creating management strategies. But... I don't know that we get very much guidance on the notion of leadership and working across cross-functional teams to bring out the very best of our colleagues, to bring out the very best of our teams, to, to essentially meet the end, which is better patient outcomes. And so that's another area that I've been really interested in. How do we create better physician leaders? So I'm hoping to chat with you a little bit about that today.
1: That's outstanding and a really great call out because so many times we you know, spend just focused on the outcome of you know, the clinical outcome, but what is it that you're doing within a very large organization to drive the ship and to make sure that the entire system's working well for the same end?
0: Well said. And, and I love that you uh, alluded to a nautical reference simply because I do that all the time. I just uh, met with a group of um, residents day before yesterday. And part of our onboarding for our new resident class, I get a chance to have kind of that 35,000-foot view welcoming them to the health system and talking a little bit about the difference between navigation and wayfinding. And the spiel goes as such. You know, Navigation is the concept of getting from point A, to point B, and it requires an already established map. Well, in healthcare, You know, that map is the evidence that we review, Mm -hmm. the experiential knowledge of working with our attendings, and essentially the task of taking care of patient after patient, and that helps develop our instincts for getting from point A to point B. Now, how does that differ from wayfinding? Wayfinding is really interesting. Wayfinding is the stuff that researchers and explorers and pioneers do. They don't have a map. They essentially are tracking into the unknown and so they use things like the sun the stars the way the the wind moves and physical phenomena to establish essentially a new map so that others can come behind them and then navigate and so the crux of my story with with the residents is i think to be a good physician to be a good clinician you have to have a balance of the two you have to manage the maps of previously determined knowledge, but you also have to recognize that each and every patient is their own individual entity. It's that N of one trial that you apply this sum total of human knowledge to, but recognize that they are unique in their responses to medications, in their behavioral states, and there's a certain wayfinding that needs to occur with each and every patient that occurs you have the privilege of establishing a patient-provider relationship with. So I love that you started off with that nautical reference. It definitely uh, hones true with a lot of the things that we do in leadership.
1: Oh, thanks, Dr. Matthews Arun. You know, I I love uh, your passion for this. I think it's electrifying just to, to speak with you. And we spent some time chatting before the show here, Outcomes Rocket listeners. And funny story is just the quote that Dr. Matthews shared is that, you know, the Albert Einstein, you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity. And as we approach this topic of leadership, in healthcare, we're wayfinders. And if we're gonna improve outcomes, we need to do things differently and we need to find a way. And so <laughs> I love the extension of the analogy. And and I want to ask you this what do you believe is an important topic that should be on every leader's agenda today? And how are you guys doing it over there at the facility you're at in multicare?
0: Sure. Well you know I will say that I, I genuinely believe multicare had a lot of the DNA around building physician leadership in place before I arrived. The neat thing that I've been able to participate in, in discussions is helping to identify the raw talent, that is the physician that doesn't recognize that he or she, and it doesn't have to be a physician. It's truly the, the beautiful part about leadership is that anyone in the healthcare team, regardless of, of rank and station has the capability to be a profound leader. It's that ability to speak and communicate in such a way where everyone recognizes that incentives can be aligned so that ultimately the patient experience wins. And so I think what we've been able to do here is, through a series of conversations, recognize those that get a genuine passion out of working with teams of people, encouraging and defining operational metrics of success, running through uh, plan-do-study-act cycles, and iteratively improving the system as they go along. Those that are hardwired to really enjoy that process, I believe, are natural-born leaders. Now, there's a lot of raw talent, and what you do is you take that raw talent, apply some structure, apply some tools such as some basic project management, some exposure to some Lean Six Sigma thinking, and allow them to be creative with their solution. And once you do that, you put them in positions of authority and essentially allow them to fly. So those are some of the things that we're trying to build structure around, and it's been a really interesting task so far.
1: That's excellent, and I appreciate you sharing that, finding that raw talent, and letting the patient experience reign and win. And and so you've had a fruitful career, Aaron. You've been director, you, you've been partner, you've been chief medical officer. Through your career, what can you share with the listeners, maybe an example of, of how you've done something differently to create results, like improve outcomes or, or increase efficiencies by doing things differently?
0: Sure, sure. Well, I can tell you that the first example that comes to mind is a project that had to do with a subject that's near and dear to mine and probably every other uh, internist's heart, and that is medication accuracy. And we've recognized that a substantial number of medication events are directly tied to transitions of care, and the accuracy of medication lists across handoffs in care we recognized in the emergency room that I worked in previously at Medical Center um, Health System that the original task of obtaining a medication list from a patient in the emergency room was fraught with hazard and, and that was largely related to the fact that it was tasked on to a very busy, very capable emergency room nurse that would unfortunately be pulled in many different directions at once. Right, and for an emergency room nurse who are the unsung heroes of the ER you know who have been taught to manage bleeding that you can hear and actively drag people back from the brink of death brown paper bag full of medications only looks like one thing and that is a black hole of time suck and so we recognized that there were some opportunities to make that process better we instituted a time motion study and also asked our pharmacy department to calculate an ROI that would be related to reducing the number of errors associated with medication reconciliation in the emergency room. With that, we were able to justify the placement of a, pharmac- a clinical pharmacist or a pharmacy tech 24-7 to manage the task of medicine reconciliation. And we were able to see substantial improvements, not only in throughput, through the emergency room, but a substantial reduction in um, near misses and actual medication errors as a result of the placement of that individual. Now, my background is internal medicine and clinical informatics. And this largely came from the fact that our medicine reconciliation tool that was being touted by our EMR vendor at the time really just was not up to scratch in terms of respecting the workflow of both the ED nurse or the admitting physician. And so it was a big wake-up call for me to recognize that the solution here was not an IT solution, but largely a process and a staffing solution. And once we had that in place, we were set up for better outcomes. And so that's one of my favorite examples of recognizing that despite the fact that the tool is in place, unless you have a solid process, an engaged group of individuals that want to make that process successful, you will not achieve the
1: success that you're seeking. That's a great story, uh, Arun, and and just uh, you know having the right team in place and and making sure that you have the right processes and not really just relying on technology or a widget to make it happen. Well said. That's true wayfinding, <laughs> and so that's one side of the coin. Now let's flip it on the other side. What can you share with the listeners of a of a setback? You know, I feel like sometimes we learn more from our setbacks than our successes. Can you share something that's happened in your career as a leader that you've learned a lot and has really kind of just shifted the way that you provide healthcare and leadership?
0: Yeah, I think I could comfortably um, share with you the notion of working towards a solution around sepsis mortality and this was originally one of my uh, great stories of victory regarding identifying that we were out of the national norms again in in my previous hospital regarding sepsis-related mortality and I got to sit down and work with this phenomenal team that identified that we needed to create kind of a fast-moving a pretty nimble task force that involved key figures from our ICU, our emergency room, nursing staff, and hospitalist group, and recognized that the only way to fix this was to impart some rapid cycle PDSA iterative changes in our process. We also recognized that our data gathering needed to be improved. So we actually had a member of our analytics team helping to provide some near real-time data in terms of our performance with, with regards to sepsis mortality. We built a series of PDSA cycles and uh, iterated and found that the fact that our ED system on our prior EMR, we've since upgraded to an integrated EMR um, at medical center we had uh, previously, and the two systems wouldn't talk to each other. And that was a big part in terms of um causing our transitions of care to fail for our septic patients, so we set up a checklist that was truly on paper. we um, created champions and we had those individuals hand off care and created a system of increased awareness around our septic patients, despite all of our efforts, we did see an order of magnitude improvement with regards to our sepsis mortality but Shortly thereafter, we went live on our integrated EMR system, and we saw a bump up that this is one of those instances where causation is not the correlation is not necessarily a causation, but I feel that the challenges associated with a system wide integrated EMR definitely supplanted some of the gains that we had made with our pdSA manual process and so mm-hmm. that was a learning point for me, recognizing that You can only do so many things in a very busy, active, complex health system. And being able to sort of read the tea leaves and recognize where you would need to pull resources and protect bubbles around things as sacred as sepsis mortality and those processes, despite a maelstrom of change that can sometimes be triggered by an EMR Go Live, that was a sobering learning process for me. Now once again, we are basically approaching our prior levels of performance. Um, at least my understanding is that that we are, as I keep in touch with the guys from medical center but I will tell you that that was an area of growth for me in terms of recognizing that that big system-wide initiatives can have drastic knock-on effects on various projects that you're
1: Currently working. I really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, you, you guys spent a lot of time, you put the teams together, you were focused on your end result, you achieved it, but then it sort of took just return to where it was. Knowing what you know now with system-wide initiatives and then side initiatives like you had, which are great initiatives, especially with sepsis mortality, what would you do differently? To ensure that you that you preserve those results, or maybe you wait. Like what would you do differently now that you know what you know? That's such a great
0: question. I think the two things that I would have done differently is I wouldn't have cannibalized from one team to ensure success with the other team. I would have instead integrated. And so at that same Sepsis Task Force meeting, we would have talked about all of the other components associated with the new EMR relating to sepsis, and we would have used our rounds of integration testing to actually test out new process associated with the identification of sepsis and severe sepsis in our patients. I would have taken a much more integrative approach versus trying to maintain silos, thinking foolishly that people can't switch gears in the middle of meetings, no, uh, the people that we deal with in healthcare are actually very talented, very intelligent individuals that have the ability to, to think in a cross-sectional, integrative manner. So that's probably what I would have done differently. I would have strategically set up the teams to be more integrated as opposed to silos.
1: That's a great, great tip there. And, and Outcomes Rocket listeners, if you're taking notes, this is one to, to write down. You know, when, when you have a, a system-wide initiative, don't ignore it. Take advantage of pulling in your current team as you're working on whatever initiative you might have at hand and integrate it with that initiative to make sure that you don't lose the results that you and your team work so hard to achieve. And, couldn't have said it better. and that's a great share there. Dr. Matthews, uh, we definitely want to make sure that we, we share these best practices to ensure that we end up treating our patients uh, as best as we could.
0: Thanks, Saul. And please, it's it's Arun. Dr. Matthews is my dad. Arun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, Arun, I'll, we'll run with Arun then. <laughs> that works. will be like, hey, dad, they talked about you on the show all day, <laughs> <and> not me. <laughs> all right, Arun. And so, as we go from this uh, darkness, let's see the light. What would you say the proudest moment that you had in your medical leadership experience to date?
0: Oh gosh, that is a very good question. It's hard to find moments that you stop back and um, thump on your chest. I will say that my proudest moment thus far really had to do with being proud of my colleagues, and that was I talk about in my previous hospital, this system-wide integrated. EMR, go live. And what I think we did correctly was we held our medical staff to some very high expectations around medication accuracy, transitions of care. And we simply just baked it into our messaging that this is how we do medicine reconciliation for every patient, every time, at every transition of care. And we defined Very clearly, what transitions of care were. And we took out the ambiguity patient coming in and out of a cath lab procedure. Yes, that's a transition of care. Mm -hmm. Patient moving from the pack cube back to the floor. Yes, of course, it's a transition of care. And we baked into our provider education the notion that the system simply grinds to a halt if a licensed independent provider does not directly interact and sign off on all of the transfer orders and transfer medications. It seems commonsensical now, but culture change is hard and baking it into education and reiterating it and talking to folks at department meetings and, and if necessary, calling folks out and activating your ongoing professional performance evaluation process all of these things come hand in hand with changing that culture. I am most proud of my colleagues who took it in their stride and recognized that our 2020 vision for an integrated EMR involved medicine reconciliation at every single transition of care for every patient every time. So I would comfortably say that I am proud of my colleagues or prou- was proud of my colleagues at Medical Center.
1: So Anybody fun. that you want to give a shout out to? Oh gosh, without a doubt, our
0: leadership on the medical staff side, Dr. Gregory Shipke, Dr. Fernando Bocalandro, and then, um, my colleague back then, Dr. Augustus Sepulveda, just, um, hands down helping to drive that, that leadership and change. And of course, our pharmacy director and CNO helped, uh, push all this together, as well as our phenomenal quality and performance improvement individual, um, Heather Bowman as well. So, Gosh, awesome. just so many people to to be proud of
1: the opportunity to work with. That's outstanding, Aaron. Thank you for sharing that. And it sounds like you guys definitely achieve a, a massive workflow improvement, along with just holding everybody to high accountability, high standards. Well said. So as we get here closer to the end, I, I wish I had more time with you. I'm really enjoying the conversation. Let's go into a little portion of the course where we... Um, actually build a course. This is what we call the 101 course of Arun Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is to be most successful in medicine today. And so through a quick rapid fire lightning round questions, this is just four questions. All right. you get your, I'll get your answers. And then at the end, when we're done with the questions, you'll give a, the listeners a book that you recommend and we'll send them off with a syllabus. Does that sound like a plan?
0: That sounds great.
1: That sounds great. Awesome. So what would you say is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Oh,
0: gosh. I think identifying phenomenal leadership within your organization, identifying, nurturing it, investing in it. And in that process, those individuals align with the strategic vision of the healthcare system. And then you give those individuals the opportunity to shine by placing them in positions of authority. So much of our decision making is consensus driven, but really it should be evidence and data driven based around systematic learning and putting good people in positions of authority to help influence, inspire, and navigate through those decisions, especially since we're dealing with really uncertain times in healthcare. I think that's the lifeblood of success. So that's what I'd lay my my table with.
1: What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Just a
0: a closed-minded mentality, a lack of creativity with solutions. And yeah, I would leave it at that. I'd be afraid of ignorance.
1: How do you stay relevant despite constant change?
0: Intellectual curiosity, two words. Just remain curious and surround yourself with individuals that are also curious. But don't surround yourself with individuals that just like to ask why to slow down the conversation. Individuals that like to go into deep rabbit holes of inquiry because you never know what that additional information, how useful it can be with other solutions around in the problem space. And so intellectual curiosity.
1: And finally, what's the one area of focus that should drive everything else?
0: Quite frankly, patient safety, experience, and then you build on that with quality. So it it has to be, we have to make sure that our health systems are sanctuaries of safety for our patients above all else and then we can build on those foundations
1: fantastic and so what about the book Arun what book would you recommend for our listeners
0: oh gosh this is a good one when I round with our hospitalist fellows I typically start off with Viktor Frankl's man search for meaning it's a quick read it's just its so wonderful it puts so many things into perspective but then I rapidly Follow up with uh, Stephen Pressfield's *The War of Art* and *The Gates of Fire*, just because I think we all should should write more. And Pressfield's little book, *The War of Art*, is just a call to arms about getting stuff
1: done. Awesome. Love it. So there you have it, Outcomes Rocket listeners. Identify phenomenal leadership. Allow them to shine. Avoid closed-mindedness, lack of creativity. Make sure you keep diving into intellectual curiosity, surrounding yourself with people that don't just ask why to slow things down. People that ask why because they're curious and they want to improve outcomes. And finally, improve, improve patient safety, experience, and quality. Really appreciate those thoughts, Arun. I think that this is a huge course I would take it if you offered it and uh, <laughs> so before we conclude here I just want to open up the mic to you one more time and maybe just leave us with some parting thoughts and the place where the listeners could get a hold of you oh sure
0: well in, in terms of parting thoughts uh, once again I, I think you should be commended for running an initiative like this I think we should all in fact rallying around this type of initiative and, and yourself Saul Kudos to you for doing that. I can certainly be reached um, for my random musings um, on social media via Twitter at uh, ArunMatthewsMD, and I'm also available on LinkedIn. I run a small medical education uh, website called Nerdcore Medical, and we make things for health sciences students, and that's also kind of interesting to chat about. But really, in terms of closing this out, My email is ArunMatthewsMD at gmail.com, and I'm always available to, to chat about improving initiatives around patient outcomes. So feel free to get in touch with me.
1: There you have it, listeners. He's shared his email, ways to get a hold of him. If you found something that Arun said that maybe sparked an idea and you wanted to collaborate with, feel free to reach out to him at ArunMatthewsMD at gmail. And if you go to the website at outcomesrocket.com, if you type in the search bar, Arun, that's A-R-U-N, you'll see this conversation come up with all the show notes that we've discussed as well as places to get a hold of them. And we'll also include information about Nerdcore Medical so that you could check out all the great things that Arun is up to. So Arun, just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I know that the conversation we've had is going to make an impact on healthcare leaders globally. Just want to say big thanks for joining us. Anytime, Saul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket
0: podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.